0: Hey everyone, happy to have you here for another episode of Legacy Matters. Today, as usual, we will talk about whatever comes up with a slight leaning toward discussions of preserving your legacy, preparing for things to come, and sharing stories we find amusing. Jim.
1: Okay, here we are. Welcome to Legacy Matters.
0: Yep. Welcome, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Uh, (laughs) I'll quit giving you a hard time over there. I know. I've been good about it the last couple of shows, actually. It just makes sense. I can't... I love it. So, yeah. No, I love it. Uh, So, Sarah is once again, she's uh, finishing up vacation slash wine country slash being sick. Yes.
1: So, all of the above right now for Anderson (laughs)
0: Yep, poor Sarah
1: Yep, not feeling so well But too much wine country, that's what
0: happens (laughs) Yep,
1: oh well, anyways, here we are Uh, It is December, it is the week before Christmas
0: That sounds right to me Yeah I won't argue
1: Yep, it is, I mean, I pulled it together on that one I barely remember, but yes, it is Yeah you know it's nice out today. Weathers, you know it's classic. It was kind of sunny earlier. Now it's now. it Well, now it's a little bit later in the afternoon, so it's starting to become still
0: see blue sky out there. Yeah,
1: blue sky, but it's starting to. You know it's four o'clock. Oh, so it's, it's four
0: twenty. So the sun four. went down. It's gone. Oh, it's
1: 420. You know, that all the yeah, kids think that's. I know something. what
0: 420 means. Right. Okay. I'm young enough. All right. It doesn't actually mean. <laughs> anyway, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. All right. Smoke it, Jim. You got it and do it. No, uh, no. no but what, what 420 actually means in Minnesota this time of year is that you're about four minutes away from it being dark. Yeah. You know? It's, yeah. That's the sad part of uh, 420 I mean, in the afternoon. It's like Alaska. In I know. Right are short days Uh uh-huh this is when i start to get depressed
1: yeah well
0: well today
1: might be oh a uh, cure for depression sits in front of me exactly (laughs) so you turn that frown upside down
0: Ah, the classic, classic, uh, I'm going to assume this is sort of Norwegian-y stuff here.
1: All right, let's uh, introduce our guest. We,
0: we are going to, but the uh, classic cure for, for wintertime depression is uh, sitting right in front of us here because we have, from Far North Spirits, Michael Swanson on the hey show.
2: Hi, Michael. Hello. Thanks for coming in. The 420 discussion is hilarious. I used to live in Colorado, so... Oh, yeah. oh okay. Okay. 420 doesn't mean almost dark to me. Right. <laughs> right. Right.
0: So you mean you're not just from Halleck? where <laughs> Uh, Colorado. Where'd you live in Colorado?
2: I lived in Vail for four years after after college. Oh, yeah. Okay. I was a ski bum.
0: Fancy. So, yeah.
1: Fancy. A, that's... Ski bum and now distillery. I know. Mm-hmm. Probably. Okay. A life so I so lived, you've got the life that I've always wanted. <laughs> it keeps getting better. Whiskey farmer. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Where did you go to college?
2: Uh, Concordia Moorhead. Okay. Good Lutheran school up there.
0: Yep. Okay. Yeah. Good old. Uh, well, we've had this history with Concordia because mm-hmm. we had a professor from a different branch of the Concordia. Mm. So that's who's from Austin, Texas, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah. And and here the whole time I was thinking, oh, you're part of Concordia, you know, same thing. He's like, no, nope, totally different, completely. So, but anyway, uh, Doctor Troval. That's right. All right. Anyway, well, uh, yeah. So, so so here we are in Michael. Minnesota.
1: And we have Mike, so let's hear, far north, huh? Mm How did this come about? (laughs) Long, circuitous route. Um, (laughs) Basically what happened is
2: my wife Sherry and I were living here in St. Paul, and we had decided that we did not really, weren't really enjoying what we were doing Mm -hmm. for a living, and we thought, you know, do we really want to be doing the same thing in 25 years? And the answer was a resounding no. And so then we thought, you know, we need a five-year plan. And what do we, what do we want? How do we want to live? And that was the the big question: was how do we want to live? And we thought we want to live more seasonally. We'd like to live more simply because we thought this would be simpler. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um. Not so much, but um, but we wanted to live more intentionally. Yeah. Instead of just. You know, allowing things to happen to us, we wanted to live more intentionally. And since moving back to Minnesota in 2003, we'd been up to my parents' farm, uh, my family farm, to to visit several times a year. And after a few years of doing that, we decided, you know, we kind of like it up here. We didn't expect that, and because when I left after when I left to go to college, I I didn't think I didn't think I'd live in the Midwest again, much less. Uh, back in Halleck, and uh, we'd been talking about what we wanted to do and my dad had started to talk about retiring and farmers will do that for 10 to 15 years and then never do it they never they never retire that my grandfather was in his 80s and he was still driving out to the farm from assisted living (laughs) to check (laughs) in and point at things in the shop and um and so we thought well maybe we should do something with the farm and we talked about that and Buddies of mine from high school had scaled up acreage and, you know, ran big farms and it's very stressful because you can't control the price and you're dealing with the weather and all that sort of thing. And I was in business school at St. Thomas at the time and I was thinking about, wouldn't it be great to make a finished product out of something you grow on the farm? And I didn't know what that would be. So I was working on an assignment uh, for a class I was taking, it was an entrepreneurship class and... I was having a little glass of a study buddy and you know, right. I was thinking about Study this, buddy. You know? <laughs> and, uh, and then I just had one of those facepalm moments where you're just like, wait a minute, I know what you make out of grain. And to this day, I've never had an idea that just popped into my head fully formed, but this was really close. And, uh, and so I wrote up this mini business plan for a rye whiskey distillery and I turned it in. And I thought, well, that was that was fun to write, but I don't know how realistic this is. I like to drink whiskey. I don't know how to make it, and and so then I turned it in, and I thought, well, that was fun, but I thought it's probably as far as this is going to go. And then that evening, I got an email from my professor, um, and she said, "You got to do this," and she said, "This fits you. It's a good. From what I've read, it's good timing. This is a good plan." Signed me up for a case of the first batch. <laughs> <laughs> and so I thought, well, <laughs> shit, I better take this a little more seriously. Right. And so I read and researched for the better part of uh, two years. And then um, we watched this, Sherry and I watched this YouTube video and it was uh, a guy named Uli Gegenschatz and he was this Austrian um, skydiver And he was flying, he was doing a TED talk about wingsuit flying, and he was flying, there was this video of him flying a wingsuit in the Alps, and it was set to a song from M83, and it was just spectacular, and I had this overwhelming sense of life is way too short to... Put things on hold right? <laughs> from a from a wingsuit video. Yeah, to yeah <laughs> be,
1: because you're thinking like he's just doing it, and maybe he'll die, or and he's he, doing. And,
2: and he did. He uh, did he, die. He did. He died base jumping a few years later. Yeah, Holy You know, shit. One of my
0: uh, one of my camp family kids died in the I think in the Swiss Alps as a yeah, wingsuit uh, jumper as well. Well, this was just, a, this was just a stunning
2: video, and it's it's beautiful to watch and 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 i remember thinking you know it, it doesn't matter that guy lived more on that day than most people do in their entire lives and so which
0: is one way of looking at it yeah. <laughs> i look at it like that guy crapped his pants more in one day than i than I,
1: I look ever. at it like wow he's really well i mean never mind i mean he it just
0: scared you with that guy's insane <laughs> that is what i'm thinking yeah.
2: Yeah. but i remember watching that and thinking yeah this it's life's too short you got to you got to pull the trigger on this.
0: That is and true. So I believe that, that yeah, I thing to be true all yeah. the time. No yeah, it's
2: what. a dramatic example, but that was really what triggered the whole thing. And so in 2012, I was able to quit my job and start planning the place full time. And we moved up back up to Halleck in 2013 and built the distillery and started distilling in November of that year.
0: And, um, away we went. Awesome. Well, I, uh, I hate to interrupt us. Yeah. I'm going to make a little break that that will hardly be noticeable here. We're, I'm getting some sort of feedback. Yeah, so am on I. Something. So is it coming from me, or I think so. But I'll, I'll just. We'll be right back. Okay. All right. So, so 2013, you started this. Uh, you started building it, or you started distilling?
2: We built it. We broke ground that in like Memorial Day okay. of 2013, and we got the building built. And everything installed by late October, and it was a steel building, so it went up fast. Yeah, yeah. Is pole. it like some pole barn type? Thing it looks or? like a farm shop. Okay. When when yeah. people, it's always it's always fun to see people because our our cocktail room is very elegant, modern Scandinavian design, uh-huh. and when people walk in, it's always interesting. I wish I could see like a, a little talk balloon about what they were expecting when they drove up.
0: Sure, because this is Halleck,
2: right? Right. And so I I'm not sure what they were picturing something in the back of a barn maybe or uh-huh. you never really know yeah. right and they walk in and they have this look on their face like oh this, <laughs> is, this, this is nice this is lovely
3: <laughs> i say that
0: not not to poke Flynn and it's at so Halleck. clean yeah mm-hmm. uh it's just that that you know we were talking a little bit before we started um most people don't know that part of the state well and, mm-hmm. and there are very few reasons to ever find yourself up there unless
1: <laughs> yeah i don't know, you know it
0: very well it yeah. I mean, it's pretty darn... Re- it's, a, it's remote in the sense that it's a corner of the state that, like, there are no roads that mm-hmm. you would take to get... I mean, unless you're going to Winnipeg mm-hmm. for some sure. reason.
3: And That's why are you ever it. going to Winnipeg?
0: <laughs> <laughs> now, granted, I've been... I spent a lot of my life uh, in northern Minnesota, and... Driving through Winnipeg, mm-hmm. guiding canoe trips and stuff. So I, okay. I've been through that area a bit, but you still, you never find yourself in Halleck.
1: So so you guys you guys move up there. Mm-hmm. You build this. Yep. You, are you, you know, you just, you and your wife just said, we're going for it. So we're yep. going to,
2: you know. Well, and Sherry's, Sherry's from Halleck as well. Okay. So All right. that and it was still yeah. a little bit of culture shock. Sure. Because um, we'd been, I, you know, I'd been living out west for several yep. years. Sherry had been living down here in Twin Cities. And so... Going back was interesting, right? Um, and but we were both from there. Yeah, so I got to pull that, that part really hard. Part. You know, I mean, it's it's farm country; it's not lake country, so people don't know it as well, right? Right. But um, yeah, like you said, unless you're on your way to Winnipeg, you know. And when and I was even, a kid, we then, spent a lot of time in Winnipeg because yeah,
0: because that's by far the closest. closest big city. Yeah. But I gotta ask you: so you were out in Colorado, your wife was in St. Paul. Did you guys mm-hmm. meet because you had known each other previously, or did you meet? And figure out you were from the same city. We
2: actually <laughs>
0: small town, I should say.
2: <laughs> we actually met on a plane um, between Minneapolis and Grand Forks.
0: At what age?
2: So this was in 2000. Okay. Um, yeah. So
0: so well after graduation from high school. Yeah. On. Yeah. I mean, we were a few years apart in school. Did you know? I mean, because I know that those small communities, you kind of you know, know. I mean, everybody. you
2: know of each other. I was a few yeah. years younger, so yeah. I knew who she was. Okay. Um, but Did you sit next to her on the plane? <laughs> so this is what happened. So I was living in Denver. Yeah. And
1: I and you were doing what in Dem- Denver? I was
2: a pharmaceutical rep. Oh. And, okay. Uh, yeah, I was in healthcare before. Okay. I was in. Of course. Why corporate. wouldn't you be? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I worked in healthcare long enough to decide I didn't want to be a doctor anymore. Yeah. Okay. What happened. But um, so I was a pharmaceutical rep in Denver and. I was flying home for Christmas, and I got out to the airport. I had missed my flight, so I couldn't get a flight until the following day. So then the next day was Saturday, and so I I got out there. There was a mechanical issue with the plane, so I missed my connection to Minneapolis. So I had a long layover, got to Minneapolis, had this long layover in Minneapolis, and then got on the plane to fly up to Grand Forks. And I walked on the plane, and I looked down, in a small plane, right, and I looked down, and I was like, think things are looking up
0: because <laughs> all I saw, please let me be in 12b well all I saw was there
2: was a cute blonde in my room yeah, yeah and then I got closer and I was like oh my god that's Sherry from Halleck and yeah I immediately turned into a seventh grader again yeah, yeah. and I'm talking to myself like I'm walking down the aisle like okay just be cool just be cool. don't say anything stupid just anything stupid. And, and she looked up and she kind of recognized me too. And we started talking and then we had our first date on Christmas day.
0: Um, so that's funny. And yeah. And we she, were, we
2: were seated next
0: to each other on that flight. She being a woman and, and much more, uh, not, not just age wise, but just more mature than you. She was like. Oh shit! Here comes Mike. <laughs> probably right? she's never admitted to that. This probably. is like this is like you, you go know? all you go all gummy and weird, and she's like, oh god, oh god, this guy.
1: Well, I see a movie in all of this. I mean, this is how... now, and and then you guys like decide to. I mean, that brings up full circle here to wow. what you're doing. You know, what I mean, this is
3: yeah, it's pretty serendipitous. Is, so yeah, I
2: mean, but we when we decided to do this to do the, the distillery, I mean, we. We jumped in, yeah. eyeball deep, and
0: you kind of have to in business. You kind of have to, so. yeah.
2: You know, case you really got to commit to it. Yeah, and uh, and yeah, that's that was six years ago now. So,
0: so only six years, and I like mm-hmm. yeah, You're, that's
1: not very long.
0: You got one of the. I'm just gonna say you got one of the nicer looking bottles on the shelf. Thank you. Oh
1: my gosh, that's what I was gonna say too. I yeah. mean, the whole you guys I mean, when you look at this, and also your website, everything, the whole packaging of this is it's is all beautiful, your
0: wife, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I've. I mean, this is really. Take I've a Take a this look, guys. Is... I'm not in charge of aesthetics. Okay, <laughs> uh,
1: it's beautiful packaging. Thank I got to say, and in, in including the bottle design itself.
0: Yeah, everything about you know? it. Also,
1: we have a, a fabulous
2: graphic designer. Of course. Um, slash brand cop, and
1: mm-hmm. we do yeah.
2: too. And
0: she's not here right now. Yeah, right.
2: Her name's Jenny Stevens, and she's here, and she's in Saint Paul. Okay. And she's
0: fantastic. And uh, is she for hire uh, for other people? She's a freelancer. Freelance, but yeah. she
2: has blue chip clients, mm-hmm. and we're one of her small uh, mm-hmm. accounts. And she, uh, I think, we're just fun for that's. Fantastic. She's really got this. She's really got a similar design aesthetic, yeah. and so she and Sherry connected right away.
0: So it's uh, so important.
2: Yep.
1: So you start. So you go up there. You're building. You know, you built the building before you distilled. Correct. Mm-hmm. So. How many batches? Like, what's the process of this to find the right, to, to find your distinct taste? I yeah, guess. well,
2: and the thing about distilling it is it's illegal to practice until yeah. you have a permit, right?
3: Not, well, unless you you're Sam you in the
1: garage. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. can't you can, been, brew, you sh- can Mike, you should go over to his garage.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, don't send people to but my not, garage. <laughs> but technically,
2: technically, it's illegal to distill at home yeah. without a permit, right? Yeah and that's my story i'm sticking to it and um (laughs) and so when we started up we i contacted a guy named dave picarell um who was a consultant he was uh 14 years at maker's mark before he became a consultant so he was a pretty big deal in the whiskey world and and he uh He consulted on the equipment that we sourced. He consulted on the floor plan and the, and he had some preliminary mash bills. And he came up, um, that fall in both October and November and kind of walked, walked me through some of the process of the, the milling, the mashing, the fermenting, the distilling. Um, and then everything after that has been trial and error, learn as you go. Um,
0: sometimes that's best.
2: Well, I liken it to learning how to swim by being thrown out of a boat in the middle of the ocean. Yeah, is kind of what it's like.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, there's a, not a, not a great likelihood of you surviving that. <laughs>
3: you
2: <don't laughs> learn how to swim really fast, yeah. or you don't. And uh, but no, he was he was a huge a huge help. Um, and from there, then you're just you're learning by doing, and the
0: quicker the better well we we abandoned uh kind of our design. well, we didn't abandon it. We're still doing design build, okay, but entered for into
1: residential the, houses, yeah. yeah, okay.
0: entered into the tech world two years ago. same thing for oh. us kind of like, well, we might as well just jump right in then, yeah, <laughs> just know?
1: go for it, yep,
0: yeah, yeah, uh, so and you know sometimes I think that's if you're entrepreneurial minded, that's some kind of the only entry, yeah, <laughs> so isn't
2: well, and I was a bio and chem major in school, yeah, um, oh. and so that helped.
0: Yeah, you've got um, a lot of skills that
2: everything I told my chemistry professors I was never going to need to know, I now have to know. Right? right. Um and I had done distillations before in, you mm. know, in chemistry lab, but they this was Concordia, right? You yep. don't get to distill anything fun. Um uh, right. You don't get to ferment anything fun. We made sauerkraut. We didn't make beer. Yeah. And so I hadn't done any of that before. And so it was
0: It was a
1: quick learning Well, you learn
0: sterility, too. You learn how to keep You learn technique. Yeah. Yeah. So
1: what's the process here? So you're you're distilling this, and then are you, you know, what... Is it a big batch, and you taste it, or are you making little pieces? Uh, it depends on what
2: we're making. Like for whiskey, for example. Mm -hmm.
1: Um, And we're a
2: farm distillery, so the process starts by growing rye and corn. Okay. Right, so we... My dad and I grow the rye and the corn, and then uh, you... You mill the grain. Mm -hmm. Um, You grind it up um, before you put it in a a mash cooker. So the milled grain mixes with hot water. And you make essentially 500 gallons of porridge, for lack of a better word. And that's the mash. Right? And so you add some enzymes to thin the viscosity of it because it gets thick. Uh, You bring the temperature down with cooling jackets to the point where you can add yeast. You add yeast, you transfer it to a fermentation vessel. And in the fermentation vessel, it sits for about four days, sometimes five. And what happens is the yeast consume the sugars that are produced during the uh, cook. And they, the yeast produce essentially CO2 and alcohol. Right. And among other flavor compounds, both good and bad. And so during the fermentation, now it's commonly referred to as a wash. Mm-hmm. Brewers refer to it as wort, I think. They have different yeah, terminology.
0: So, so brewers would take the wor- wort out uh, immediately after heating. You, yep. you leave it with the mash? It I stays, leave all the grain in. It sta- grain stays in for, yep. for that four or five days? Yep.
2: Okay. So we ferment on the grain, and then it's transferred to the still. And that's 500-gallon big copper vessel uh, with a column on top. And you, you your first pass is you boil off everything that's not water. And then you have a liquid that you take off the still. It's called low wines, and it's about 55 proof or so. And it contains everything that was formed during fermentation, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And then once you have 500 gallons of that, it goes back into the still for what's called a spirit run. And that's when you, you're doing like actual distillation. You're separating compounds by boiling point. And so you've got your lower boiling point compounds that come off first. That's called the heads. And they smell and taste like a nasty green apple solvent. they're not good. Mm-hmm. Um, every distiller tastes heads once, <laughs> and then you don't need to again. <laughs> right. you, just, you get a whiff and nope, I know what's there um and then you but the next thing to come off is the hearts that's the good stuff that's the ethanol that's the flavor compounds you want in whiskey um, and that's a large portion of your of your run and the last stuff or the that's the higher boiling point compounds called tails. And you include some of those in your run because over time in the barrel, they convert to fruit notes, but that's a different issue. Sure. And so you have at the end of a run, you have a certain amount of high proof white whiskey. It's clear. Yep. Uh, Cause all the color comes from the barrel. Um, and so you have high proof shine basically. And it's about 150, 155 proof. Mm-hmm. You dilute that down with water uh, to barrel-proof, which for us is 118. And then you put it in a barrel and you let it age for anywhere, for, for us, anywhere from uh, 16 months to more than four years, depending on the size of the barrel and the type of whiskey mm-hmm. that we're making. And in the barrel is when it takes on color, it takes on more flavor, it uh, develops more character, it, mm-hmm. it, it uh, does some really fascinating things in the barrel. And then at the end of that aging time, you have your finished product. Mm-hmm. You have your whiskey.
0: So is there is there any use for... Uh, the first things or the last things you pull off there, I forget the names. but Oh, the heads and tails? The uh, heads and tails. Is there, like, is there an industrial <laughs> use for those or anything like that? <laughs> or, or do they get recycled
2: I think somehow? technically they could be, and it depends on where you're distilling. In Scotland, they get recycled into the next batch. Okay. Um, most American distillers um, dispose of them with their spent mash. Hmm.
1: Yeah.
2: For us, uh, we don't have a lot of livestock around our area, and so our spent mash gets spread back on the field. If we were next to cattle and hog farms, that would go straight to the animals, yep. animal feed. Okay. Yeah, um, but we spread it back on the field as fertilizer, basically. Mm-hmm.
0: Because at the end of the mashing process, you've taken out most of the sugars, but left most of the uh, most of the protein proteins. Yeah,
2: yeah. So what's left is we have a slurry of it's mainly protein, cellulose, and water. Okay, yep. and so not the
0: worst thing for you.
2: No, I mean it's, it's the, and it's a good soil amendment where we are too because we have fairly heavy uh, alkaline soils and it's good to add a little bit of acidic uh, stuff and biomass back to the soil. Gotcha. It just looks really redneck when you do it because yeah, we've got, sure we got totes on a trailer driving down the field and you can but you it. Are you spraying it or uh, you can practically hear the banjo in the background. <laughs> <laughs> but but does your no? It's just it's just being. Hmm.
0: It it's
3: just drained out. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. okay. Does yeah. your
0: average and I'm gonna I'm gonna butcher this uh, Halakian?
3: That, <laughs> <laughs>
0: Does your average wow. Halakian farmer like really worry that much about looking too redneck out there? Not that no. I mean, I, I just would well, assume. Well, you know,
2: it depends on the farmer. You'd be surprised.
0: Yeah, it's not. The, I, I don't mean that in the sense that like all farmers are rednecks, but like <laughs> spreading spreading yeah. product out on the field, like yeah. that's you're supposed to do that. Yeah, you know, and it's if it's not that, it's manure. Yeah, right. So like, like <laughs> right. And so you
2: don't see much of that in our area because hardly anybody has livestock. Oh, there's right. not enough yeah. manure around. To- no, there really sure. isn't. I mean, uh, you know, most of the most of the farmers in our area, they're large operations. They're it's crops and. You know, there's some of the guys out there that when they have their stuff out in the field and when they're parking the trucks, they're lining them up, you know, they're
0: right. sure. very precise. I mean, don't, they use, uh, they use, uh, septic sometimes or used to anyway. Right. I mean, I think, mm-hmm. yeah. So, I mean, mm-hmm. it's not like, you know, for me, it's like, well, that's just what you're supposed to do is <laughs> spread, spread stuff that is beneficial to the right. soil sure. on the soil. You sure.
1: know? So I'm kind of going on a side thing, but, uh, so you do this in the town. I mean, how's the response from the town been? It's been great. Yeah. It's I been, would think so. It's been absolutely so. great. I mean... People have been
2: really welcoming. They've been, they've been so nice about it. Very enthusiastic. Um, there, We have regulars at the cocktail room um, every Saturday. And, uh, no, people have been very supportive. It's, it's not often that somebody comes back and starts a business. Right. That's right. rare. Yeah. And, you know, the, I think people have really appreciated how rare that is. And Mm -hmm. they've been just really supportive. And
1: do you, do you find, I mean, now I'm thinking, you know, this is a destination too, for Mm -hmm. that town. I mean, I'd like to drive up there and
0: and and check it out. There's a big difference between what you're doing. And, and again, I'm not going to give some (laughs) distillers a hard time. Like I'm never trying to upset anyone or whatever, but, but you're taking it from grain to finished product.
1: And right there. my
0: understanding is that many of the distillers set up with a they they get the grain neutral or whatever it is alcohol from larger providers who do all of that part of the work for them Yep. and then they they distill it one more time in their own still and then uh, put it into barrels to make their own product so,
2: yeah well there's there's a lot of different ways to 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 do this right yeah um our first three years, we made all of our own grain-neutral spirit in order to make our gin. Okay. Because you need a high proof, like 190 plus proof spirit to distill gin. You want it very clean. And I was making all of it from 100% rye. And I wasn't getting very much whiskey made. And what's common in the industry is for a distiller to buy grain-neutral spirit from an ethanol plant, distill their gin, and you know, make their gin that way. Okay. But what's more common with whiskey is that they'll buy finished whiskey from, say, MGP in Indiana, and they'll bottle it as as theirs.
0: Oh. That's so they a,
2: don't even run it through a still, or... right? Okay. Right. It's it's finished when it gets to them. Oh. Mm. Or it's barrel proof. Yeah. When it when it gets to them, and they just dilute it. Oh, a little they cut bit. it. Yeah, they cut water. it. Yeah. And that's that's a Unfortunately, a, a, a an all too common
0: practice. So, in that case, it's you're you're more or less setting up a, a marketing campaign to, around yeah. you know someone else's. This is, you and is that part of the reason? Like you've received some national accolades and mm-hmm. stuff. You know, yeah. is that part of the reason you think is because you're you've taken the time to sort of do it from start to finish? I think so it's I think it's a big part of it. Yeah, I would assume um, it is. Cause,
2: well, because it gives us a lot of control over raw materials. So you have a unique flavor. Yep. If you're bottling the same stuff that bullet or, mm-hmm. you know, or high West or something like that is, that's all coming from MGP. And so if you're bottling the same stuff, there's only so much you can tell people about it. Right. It's there's only, only the so
0: many different flavorants you can put in right. it to make it slightly different. <laughs> right. Than the exactly. Right. And yeah. so,
2: and so that definitely helps and it gives us a, a unique flavor, but the rye that we grow uh, turns out has a very unique flavor profile. Of course, it does for that variety, yeah. and uh, it's a variety called AC Hazlet, and it um, I I picked it out um, based on its agronomic characteristics,
3: mm-hmm.
2: and so it was really winter hardy, and it you know mm. it, it grows really well where we
0: are. Yeah, would and it pick up different different uh, different flavor profile from your soil too? Like I'm not sure. Like water might in a you know. Yeah, just through mineralization. I'm not exactly
2: sure. That's probably the next study. I've been I've been studying different varieties of rye, mm-hmm. and you know, to see if there's flavor differences between just based on a different variety. Yeah. But what we haven't done yet is the study where we grow the same variety in two different places and see if there's a difference there.
0: Right. I, I mean, I would just assume that that nutrient levels or alkaline, you know, acidic mm-hmm. levels. Something might yeah iron content, something might make mm-hmm. it taste a little different. Absolutely. One, yeah.
2: You know. It's it's certainly possible. Yeah. So you maybe help me write the next grant. I doubt it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like you're already well on right? folks are, are
1: working there right now.
2: So right now I have uh I have four employees at the distillery mm-hmm. um with production. Yeah. And that's uh, that's the winter crew. Okay. Uh, I have, we scale up production in the wintertime. Um, you scale up? Yeah. Okay. okay. And a couple of reasons. One, there's more of a, there's additional help mm-hmm. during the winter. Cause I sure. hire local, a couple of local farmers yep. uh, who help me and you know, they've got some time between December and April. Sure. The other reason is um, during the wintertime, all that heat that the equipment produces isn't waste heat. And so you're right. heating the building with what you're doing on the still and the cooker and all that. Okay. During yeah. the summertime, we back off a little bit, but sure. still got to get it done.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, there's it an does. efficiency to, you're going to have to produce yeah. the heat anyway. You might as right. well use it. Right. There's a breweries, you know, there's a lot of people are putting thought into, into those aspects of mm-hmm. it, both from a... An environmental and just a cost savings. Yeah, you know, sure. We're, we're doing this. Why shouldn't we do it in yeah. a way that's beneficial? Yeah,
2: there's so. a there's a sustainability aspect to it, but it yeah, it just makes uh, economic sense as well.
0: I love it. Well, yeah. you too. We have uh, we've managed to blast through. I would say it went yeah. really fast. A, uh, a a whole half hour here. Let's okay. take a short break. Okay, and we'll come back to it. All Great. Right. All right. Today's show is brought to you by the Andolin app, a first-of-its-kind digital legacy preservation app that allows you to digitally attach photos, videos, and audio recordings to the places and objects you love. Imagine hearing your grandmother's voice telling the stories of your family heirlooms. Preserve your memories, prepare for the future, and share with those you love. Andalin, available in the App Store and Google Play. Visit andalin.app for more information.
4: Need some help with a construction project? Looking for thoughtful design and honest answers about what is possible and what is not? Kinetic Design Build is a full-service boutique remodeler servicing residential and commercial clients in the Twin Cities. Design and build with purpose. Visit KineticDesignBuild.com to request a consultation.
1: Packing for a trip? Let Pack simply give you a little help by delivering travel-safe products directly to your door in an airport security-safe pouch. Unbelievably easy and surprisingly simple. Make your life easier. Visit packsimply.com
4: Interested in art? James Holmberg is both an artist and an art consultant. His strong connections in the Minnesota art world give him a unique perspective on the talented pool of artists from our region. Let James guide you to an original work that will come alive in your home. Visit jamesholmberg.com to find out more.
0: All right. Do you want to go on a wilderness adventure with me, Sam? Or maybe you know a group of kids who could benefit from an extended break from their electronics. Or maybe you just need a break from those kids. Visit earthedfound.org for more information about how to get started.
4: For information about becoming a sponsor of Legacy Matters, please visit legacymatterspodcast.com.
1: back so we are back so how do we pick up where we left off
3: when
1: we no one were was not listening? talking
0: long on the break but what we were talking about was uh a couple of different things we're, we're saying that uh we, you know just not not politically but just in general uh i'm a little tired of the uh of the divide between this side and that side and rural and urban and <laughs> yeah, yeah. And all that and mike seems like he's he's tired of that too and
2: yeah well i mean you can the because you've got a GPS in your tractor, right? Um, and you got a, you got big fields up there. Yeah. So I know I know farmers um, in their twenties, thirties, forties, fifties, who the tractor drives itself to the other end of the field. Yep. So then you got some time. And <laughs> I know farmers who are regularly on Twitter. I know farmers who read the New York Times in the morning. Absolutely. They, you know, and you know they're well informed. It's it's not, absolutely. It's not like the old days and so there's more connectivity there than what there used to be and i think there's there's just not this this divide is
0: not fiction i think it's it's uh, a tool being used by by people to get yeah. you know politics done really right. a lot of it or to sell things right. or you know whatever right. it might I be i mean
2: there are still are there's economic realities that are present in rural versus urban
0: oh absolutely I mean, those are
2: those are real but you know like in in, in our area um, You know, like I was saying during the break, if you're not inheriting a farm, your option for jobs is fairly limited. Yeah. But there's still a lot of stuff that can happen. You can. It's an easier place to start a business. You know, Mm -hmm. we didn't have to go through any neighborhood associations to start a distillery. I mean, we we got our license right away from the (laughs) the county (laughs) that passed very quickly. We had to get approval from the township board, which consisted of. Our neighbor, my dad, and another guy down the road. Right, that
0: couldn't have been too hard.
2: Call around to the township board, and it got done in less than two hours. Yeah, and uh, so we got our cocktail room approval that way. (laughs) And so things happen very quickly. You have just have less hurdles and less people that tell you no. Right, and so they tend to be very easy places to start businesses. Lots of incentives, Mm -hmm. and so like I was telling you guys during the break. I mean, when When we moved up there, the guy who was the city manager um, had had this dream of starting a brewery. And then when he saw that we came up and started this distillery, he just felt like he had permission. And there was this service station that the guys who owned it were going to tear it down. It was going to cost them probably fifteen grand to tear this building down. It was an old Mm 1930s-era service station. And there was a big hole in the roof, and it needed work. Right. And they were like, well, we can't really use it for anything. And it, you know, it's kind of an eyesore and blah, blah, blah. And so the guy who was the city manager said, well, just hang on, hear me out. What if you sell that to me for a small amount? I'll take it over, fix it up. I'm going to turn it into a brewery. Yep. And the guy said, great. How's about a hundred bucks? Yeah. (laughs) So he bought the building for a hundred bucks. Yeah. And. Fixed it up. Did most of the work himself. Luckily, he was really handy. Yeah. And they had a brewery up and running in less than two years. And now they're yeah, they're doing really really well. They make great beer. Is it beer.
0: a uh, is it a brew pub or a brewery?
2: It's a brewery, and they have a, a, tap, a, a, tap, room. a tap room. It's, it's room. called Reve- it? it's called Revelation Ale Works. Okay. And uh, they make fantastic beer. Yeah. Um, the it was the brothers that started it, and they both. Really knew their stuff in terms of brewing, and they just now they're, they're one of their biggest problems initially was they couldn't make enough beer.
0: Yeah,
2: um, they were selling out. Um, they they've had taps all over the place. They just have a canning line now, and so they they've been doing really really well. It's
0: funny. There's there's I, so I many that. of them that are doing really well. Yeah, mm-hmm. the next the little vision I have is uh, places like Halleck need and it, maybe they already have it, but fiber optic and you know just yeah. Just really well, I was thinking of a place internet. to stay,
1: spend the night, mm-hmm. you know, because if I come up there, I mean, you know, a couple <laughs> well, there's hours Airbnb in. an Airbnb now above it, the coffee it, house. And that's what it and that was, was. a coffee co- house. Okay. And and all right. And she's
2: doing yep. Ethiopian and Kenyan pour over and lattes, and it's
1: So there's fantastic. an Airbnb up
3: there. Yep. I, Thing. Okay. But I want to so,
0: take one of those little buildings and make it into so that, so that if a kid who understands tech but lives up there mm-hmm. can do work for us remotely and <laughs> yeah. wants to live up there, yeah. like mm-hmm. you know, not everybody needs to or nor wants to come and live in the city. But here's the jobs, mm-hmm. right? Right. But there's got to be a way to yeah work Well and if, you, and if
2: you live along uh, Highway 75, you have access to fiber optic. Okay. If you live several miles away from 75 mm-hmm. out on the that. farm. Now you're looking at line of sight kind of, uh, yeah. and that's not satellite, but I forget what it's called. Yeah. Uh, but it's not as, not as fast, yeah. but you know, you can still get a lot done. Still pretty fast. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it's not bad. so
1: Mike, how was it to find people to carry your product here in the cities? Like what did that kind of look like? For that you guys? was a, a big
2: surprise. It, yeah. Cause well, cause cause it happened so fast. Yeah. We were, when we launched, we were the, we, we launched our product the same week as Norseman. Okay. So we were tied for the second mm-hmm. uh, distillery. The first was Panther and Osakis. And then we launched our gin the same week Norseman launched their vodka. And we did a tasting at South Lindale, and we sold every bit of gin we had in a couple of hours. It was crazy. Our That's distributor cool. was just laughing. He couldn't believe right. it. And, um, and so when we started, we were the only Minnesota craft gin on the shelf. And then a month later, Vikra launched up yeah. in Duluth. And then we started gaining some critical mass. Cause after that it was Dunord.
3: Mm, yeah. And
2: then now it was a thing. And we were being written about and ourselves and Vikra and Dunord were all husband and wife teams. And so there was some press and it just rolled from there. That's and awesome. so it was a great launch. And That was at the end of 2013 in 2014. And by August of 2014, we had gotten a call from a distributor in New York who had seen our bottles on a design blog and asked us if we wanted to sell them to New York. and bottles. And so we were like, is this a trick question or what? (laughs) We hadn't even thought about New York, you know? And and then we had distributors come to us.
0: Yeah, and that's, uh, I mean, you have to be able to distribute enough. You know, it's... It's one of those things where people talk about you know when are we going to reach saturation mm-hmm. these things and I, I, who knows because they were talking yeah. about that years ago with breweries right. mm-hmm. and it doesn't seem to have happened.
2: Yeah, there was a I think there was a plateau for a while and then it went up again uh-huh. the, the number of breweries.
3: So. Yeah,
0: and and to be fair, not everybody who opened a brewery was making all that great a beer, mm-hmm. you know. So th- eventually. Right and and just like any other business uh, maybe they aren't that good at business you know maybe they're mm-hmm. not maybe they're making fine stuff but they don't understand some of the rest of the aspects yeah. of business so.
2: well and there were some craft spirits that started some some distillers were making really good stuff not all of them were Yeah. Um, some of them were making beautiful stuff that the likes of which hadn't been seen since prior to Prohibition
3: mm-hmm. family
2: yeah. recipes, traditional liqueurs I mean Damfork here in in the Twin Cities. Uh, you probably know is, a lot more about this than we do. He's making fantastic artisan like spirits that are, you know, unless you're from Germany, you don't even know about. Sure. And he's it's just beautiful stuff. And you see the revival of things like that that's mm-hmm. wonderful. Who is this again? Damfork?
0: Damfork?
2: Dampfwork. Um, and his name's Rolf. Okay. He used to work for EcoLab as well, so yeah.
0: <laughs> I'm gonna have to look it up. There's an EcoLab, oh, no. there's
1: Ecolab pipeline to distilling. Apparently. Of course, there is. Well, um, these bottles, you know, the whole packaging, and I know we've talked about this, but was there some? Is this the first attempt, or did you guys look at a couple other different designs?
2: Well, we spent a lot of time. We were working on the design um, in. We started working on the design in August of 2012. Okay, so well before we even had a building, right? Before we ever had a distributor, mm-hmm. um, we were working on the on, on what the, the image is, what the yeah. end product and looks like. And the first it. thing that Jenny had us do was um, was mood boards mm-hmm. of the personalities of the spirits, yeah, and the sure. stories behind them, right? Because most of our, I mean, this is you know, you have rockter and this is bodlin mm-hmm. uh, bourbon, but our gin is named Solvay. Okay, our other gin is named Gustav. Um, we had our, we went through our branding. Strategy, but what we wanted was we wanted each of the products to have its own personality Mm -hmm. with some distinguishing family characteristics. Basically, it's called the House of Brands approach, and um, we wanted each to to be a standalone but readily identifiable as coming from Far North Spirits. Mm -hmm. And so, they each have a little story about the name, where it came from, what it means. Is that, st- is that
1: story on the bottle, sort of? Um, it-
2: Bodolin is named after a valley in Norway, Okay. the foot of a glacier. Rockner is actually named after a cousin of mine in Norway, and he spells his name R-A-G-N-A-R, Damn. but they're from a little further west of mm-hmm. Oslo, and so they, they pronounce it Rockner. Okay. And I didn't want anybody calling my whiskey Ragnar, so right. I spelled it phonetically, also so that the Minnesota Vikings wouldn't sue me cuz Rockner is a their mascot. Okay. And it's no, trademarked. You don't, don't want to get sued. No. No. <laughs> we're all we're all friends here, so I didn't want to didn't want to offend them,
0: so Uh so I found it's I, and I lived for a while in in Germany, but it's dumpster, I get it. Mm-hmm. I get it. Um cool. Yeah. Not to not to look at other people's stuff, but this looks really good too. I love that no, we've it's got great. these yeah, I love that we've got these opportunities for people to build these businesses. You want
2: as craft distillers, you want other craft distillers making really good stuff. Absolutely. Because you want the reputation for craft distilled products to be positive. Yep. And so I think it's fantastic.
0: Yeah. Well that's uh changing, I would say. We're making nice stuff here in Minnesota. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I think anytime you know, obviously, anytime you're gonna in these industries, some people are gonna make it and some people aren't. That's mm-hmm. just the way it works. Yeah. And uh,
2: well, and there's already two of us who are growing our own grain. Uh, yeah. There's Rock Filter down in Spring Grove, Minnesota. Okay, we're so the, they're the only oh, the the other one. We're the two farm distilleries. Okay. We're at opposite corners of the state. Yep. As extreme opposite as you can get. Right. Spring Grove is right down on the Iowa border, yep. um, and. Christian's making, you know, he grows his own he specializes in corn. Uh, okay. Because he's more in corn country. But uh, yeah, he grows his own grain and he makes great stuff. So we might do some collaborative Which
0: one's that? Now whiskey. I gotta look that one up. Rock
2: filter. <laughs> Rock filter. Here I am advertising for
1: everybody. I know no, it's good. Well, it's actually, good. I want to ask you, Mike, like how would you describe the taste as far as some of your you know, like the whiskey and the rye? Like is it is it really smooth or does yeah, it have a little what, bit of a
2: what the uh what the common, when, when whiskey writers write about our, our rye whiskeys, they're, they're usually talking about a, a round vanilla note. Mm-hmm. They're talking about um, caramel and toffee and brown sugar, yeah. uh, lingering finish, smooth finish.
1: And that's with your rye?
2: With, yes, with the mm-hmm. rye whiskey, with hints of, like some of them use the, the phrase warm baking spices mm-hmm. on the palate. Um.
3: That and, sounds uh, pretty tasty. <laughs> it's, that's it's,
1: what I'm wondering. Nice. You know, because because I'm just my mouth is watering it's over really here. Nice but eyes. but I like. like but, but, but you know, to some people don't, don't know either the difference between rye and whiskey. Yeah. You know. Well, and or bourbon and whiskey. You know what I mean? Yeah, like it, Well,
2: rye and bourbon are both whiskeys.
1: You yeah. know. Um.
2: And all, all bourbon is whiskey, but not all whiskey is bourbon. Mm -hmm. Um, Bourbon in the U.S. just means um, it's made from at least 51% corn in the mash bill, and it's been aged in new charred oak. And if you're a distiller in Kentucky, they'd probably tell you it has to be made in Kentucky. It doesn't, but they'll always say that. Um, well,
0: in order to be Kentucky bourbon, it does. Yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, this is like, uh, right. like right champagne or cognac yeah, needs to be made in cognac, right. France or whatever. But you know?
2: just bourbon is
0: bourbon. Is it's okay cents. to make bourbon mm-hmm. within the U.S. Everywhere. Can you make it anywhere else in the world? And you call know, it bourbon? I'm
2: not sure about that. Right. Like I don't think it, these it, things I are pretty it, heavily protected. Well, because bourbon is a U.S. designation. Yeah. Um, and so I haven't seen an imported bourbon. Before. I think it might have to be a U.S. thing, but I'm not sure of the regulation there. Like scotch, you can only make in Scotland. Right.
0: And right? so Suntory mm-hmm. is whiskey. Yes. It can, so whiskey is whiskey. I mean, yeah. that's the overarching thing. Well, Suntory is,
2: Suntory is whiskey with a S-K-Y, which is what this how the scotch distillers spell it. Right,
0: and they're, they're intending rye, to be whiskey scotch. And,
2: rye whiskey and bourbon is S-K-E-Y. There's a solid oh, okay. designation there. Yeah. Rye whiskey is simply whiskey made from at least 51% rye and aged in new charred oak. Yeah, and so there's there's categorical designations that the U.S. puts out there. Yeah, um, there's different standards in Canada, different standards in Scotland, Ireland, Japan, Taiwan. I mean, there's there's whiskey made all over the place, but there's there's different designations for it in their home countries.
0: Sure. Yep. Yeah, and it gets a little sticky.
1: Mm -hmm. All right, so that's, uh, describe the whiskey now part of the tape.
0: So what I was (laughs) describing earlier (laughs) is the
4: the rye
2: whiskey. Now the bourbon Bourbon. is, this is a a bourbon whiskey, and this is um, uh, what's called a high rye bourbon, Mm -hmm. so that it has a higher proportion of rye in the mash bill. It's still a majority corn, and that's what designates it as bourbon, is just the proportion of corn. So it's 60% corn, 30% rye, 10% malt barley. And the flavors here are more, I would say, there's a, there's a sweetness um, to it that is more, um, I would say, lends more towards caramel. Um, but there's, a, there's still some toffee there, but there's a, there's a corn sweetness that's kind of its own thing that bourbon drinkers will always recognize. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, I think, primarily the difference between the two. You still get some of the the finish notes from the from the rye and the mash bill, um, but um, yeah, that's primarily the difference there.
1: Yeah, there there we go. and what's the, what's the other <laughs> bottle now that you have here? This little one. Yeah. So
2: this is this is part of our research project. We call okay. A, we're calling this our Seed Vault series, and this is the crop research study that I did, um, that I'm going to be publishing very soon is that I grew 15 different varieties of rye Hmm. over the course of three years. I grew them in one acre test plots, uh, milled mashed, fermented and distilled them individually, and then put the white distillate in front of as many noses and palates as I could and had them fill out a questionnaire, like a survey. And the idea is, was to establish whether or not you could identify statistically significant differences in flavor between different varieties of rye. Because rye is a commodity grain, right? But right. there's many, many different varieties of, of rye. Just like with grapes or tomatoes. They're, right. so, they're all grapes, they're all tomatoes, but there's a lot of different varieties. Do they
0: have like sommeliers for, for whiskey and stuff like that? Like do they have people who can... who reliably can tell you where it's from and what the mm. mix is and all that. Uh, there are there are many who would claim to. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I'm not sure that they've ever been tested.
2: Um, but there's a lot of whiskey enthusiasts that will they can get pretty accurate. Yeah. There's nothing like a blind tasting to humble you. Right. You know? Right. Like you can make bold claims, somebody puts a blindfold on and <laughs> <did> you fail miserably. <laughs> now, you're, now you're in the deep ocean. But um <laughs> but with uh, with the rye varieties um i didn't think i i did the research here and i couldn't find anybody who had done this before so i think this is the first of its kind study or if it's been done it's been done by one of the big distilling houses in kentucky and they're not publishing it it's sure, okay. proprietary company information right so um when i started this i started it mainly because i got a call from a farmer in maine who was looking for Hazlitt, the variety that I grow. Okay. And he was growing for distillers in New England and he was looking for that flavor profile and and I talked to him for a little bit. I sold him some seed. And then I thought, "Well, wait a minute." I thought it was the same. You know, I thought rye was rye, right? Right. And of so Of course it's
0: not though, right? I mean, wouldn't well, it, wouldn't you
2: assume this is going I to be a little there's different? There's going to be some differences. Yeah. And so I thought somebody would have done the research. Sure. And turns out There was nothing out there. And so I wrote a grant for the Minnesota Department of Ag, and we got it. And um, together with a small grain specialist from the U of M, uh, we started this research project. So we grew 15 different varieties of rye. We distilled them. We put the white distillate in front of all those noses and palates, and we got statistically significant differences between the varieties. Sure. turns out there are real differences between them based on just variety alone. Yeah. So when we did that, we took our excess distillate and put it in barrels. Thinking, My thinking was is that, okay, we saw subtle differences in the white distillate, yeah. but when you put it in a barrel, that's probably gonna erase the differences and you're gonna get a similar tasting whiskey out of these barrels, just because of the massive contribution that barrel aging gives you sure. to whiskey. Um, and then we cracked a few open And (laughs) threw that hypothesis out the window. Because now they're different. Because now they're, if anything, the barrel amplified the differences between them. The one I brought you guys here is, and this is called Oakland. Mm -hmm. It's a variety from Oklahoma. Uh, I think back in the, it was launched back in the 80s, I think. So it's an older variety. And uh, didn't grow very well up in our area because it was bred in Oklahoma. It's for for there. But... When we distilled it, the white distillate wasn't very popular. It didn't score very well. um, Didn't taste very good, I didn't think. We put it in a barrel, and we opened the barrel, and I had a couple assistant distillers. that We opened it, we tasted it, and we were like, who the hell put scotch in this barrel? (laughs) Somehow, during that time in the barrel, it morphed into this really interesting whiskey that is kind of reminiscent of like a a uh, highland spice you know lightly lightly peated scotch
1: yeah, yeah. yep <laughs> and so
2: it was it just turned into this really interesting thing and every single one of the varieties had very distinct personality coming out of the barrel that we didn't see coming mm-hmm. we thought they they'd like, all taste the same
0: are they like children at that point to you where where you're like <laughs> even though I, even though yeah. you're not the prettiest child I've got, I still love you.
2: <laughs>
0: I well, can't people, help but love each and every one of you.
2: <laughs> people have people ask me that. You know, about, we have this you know portfolio of, you know, rye vodka. We've got two different styles of gin. We've got four different expressions of rye whiskey. We've got a bourbon. We've got three different rums. Yep. because you got to
0: make rum. Well, do you have, do you make not? it with sugar beets? N- no, and <laughs> you, you can't. That's didn't the, someone make someone made a beet rum. Well,
2: they've, you can, you can make,
0: or beet vodka actually.
2: Yeah. That's a whole different deal. Yeah. Um, vodka you can make from beet sugar.
0: Okay. Rum's gotta be made from sugar.
2: Rum has to be made from sugar cane per federal rate. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, and so I make mine from Turbinado and Demerara sugar. Sure. Um, my last corporate job with Ecolab had me in the Caribbean and Central America quite a bit. (laughs) Yeah. So I learned a lot about rum and I found that I liked rums from Guyana and Trinidad Oh, yeah. and that's Demerara rum and so that's my rums are like an homage to that basically it doesn't fit with our field to glass story at all but I was like well, well there's a
0: field somewhere yeah but I was like <laughs> well you know
2: we've got a we've got a distillery now and I like rum so screw it I'm gonna make rum yeah. why not so I do so I make a spiced I mean, rum an aged rum and a white rum <laughs> so it gives me a second use for my rye barrels. like an age rum. I don't in my think I realize up. just
1: how expansive this whole, you know, <laughs> what you, what you guys are really doing up there. Yeah, you know, yeah,
2: it's quite a bit of stuff.
1: I mean, yeah. And so we, you know, we make all these different
2: things, and then people ask me what's my favorite, and it's kind right. of like saying, "Well, who's your favorite kid?"
3: Yeah.
1: Well, he yes, has you, one, but you, but you, you <laughs> his <kind> favorite <laughs> kid, but you kind of have a favorite kid.
2: Yeah, you and do. So, <laughs> And for me, it's. It's guy. that
3: guy. it's Yes.
0: Yeah. Okay. Weed. We want. We want. Just like in my family, no one actually knows. I don't ever. I don't ever let. Them,
3: I don't <laughs> yes, ever let. You say it all the time. That. You tell. Yeah. Them, I don't ever. Everybody. No, who I don't your
0: ever <laughs> <favorite> tell <laughs> the two boys that their little sister is by far my favorite. I don't. I don't let them know that. That would be cruel
2: Don't you think they know at
0: this oh, point Oh no they would never guess
1: <laughs> <laughs> Their therapists They don't even uh, care right uh, now no, They're no. like whatever She's dad their favorite too
0: <laughs> <laughs> No I really
2: like I like what the Soturn cask did with mm-hmm. this rye whiskey So this was aged in new charred oak barrels from Avon Minnesota All my barrels come from Minnesota by the way Okay uh, Avon and Park Rapids Avon uh, is the barrel mill Park Rapids is Black
0: Swan and that's a cooperie or yep. whatever that's, that's a called? cooperage. Cooperage, yep. And uh, so we still have cooperages here.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: And and they're cutting the lumber in Minnesota and making it out of you know Minnesota. describe some what the,
2: that is. Some of the barrels from from Black Swan actually are marked with an MN, and that means the trees came from Minnesota. Okay, okay. and they're. Both Cooperages make beautiful barrels. They sell them all over the cro- all across the country,
0: and they're world class. Okay, so Cooperage is is a place. Cooperage that... is a barrel maker. Yeah, right. right. So if
2: you know anybody with a last name Cooper, um, oh, sure, that was a trade name, and so somebody in their family made barrels at some point.
0: Huh. So Bauer is farmer, and, <laughs> right, and right, no, it is. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. uh, what are the other ones? There's M- Miller. You yeah, know, there's mm-hmm. other things that this this was your livelihood. Therefore, sure. that became your last name. Right. right. Yeah
2: cool yeah just like roger the Rubber. but um <laughs> <laughs> but anyway the 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 cooper's cooperage is where they make the barrels and they ha- it's a whole art form in and of itself where they bend the staves they assemble the barrels they toast the inside they char the inside they i mean
0: it's
1: it's fantastic.
0: yeah it's just old world technology it's really, very old school. Not, not much has changed no it you know, really doesn't, doesn't have to
1: well be that's answer. interesting though like mm-hmm. that's how the color comes too yeah you yeah. know i mean that's- and you
2: know when you put your as a distiller i mean it's kind of humbling to see how much impact your cooper has on the way your whiskey tastes right you know cuz i mean that's an important distinction to make but I would when say. you grow up on a farm you're kind of used to that like you put a seed in the ground and hope it rains mm-hmm.
3: right?
2: you put your whiskey in a barrel and you hope your cooper was on the on the ball that day right and um and i'm just really glad that we have coopers here in minnesota because you get great barrels from not that far away.
0: Yep. It works well. Yep, and having a, a good one, I'm sure that, that the quality of the Cooperage has something to do with the quality of the end product yeah. in a way that... Right, it yeah. does. Yeah, and, and not is. everybody drinking whiskey is going to think of that. So, I mean, really, that's sort of controlling your product line from start to finish. You're, yep. you're growing on your land. Yeah. You're uh, selecting... Different grains that you want to try, and, mm-hmm. and checking the quality of that, and then you're able to source barrels from someone,
2: yeah, who doesn't. You assume. know, and it's the conditions of aging too. Like, if um, if you were to fill twelve barrels off of my still and put them in twelve different places in the country, you'd have twelve different whiskeys, right? Because the ambient conditions. The barrels are breathing when they're aging, and so the ambient conditions really make an
0: impact on what happens with that whiskey. So, and, and can you just build, like, I, you know, I assume you have kind of a climate-controlled <clears throat> warehouse where these things? No, nope.
2: Uh, my my aging room isn't isn't insulated, and it's not heated.
0: Okay, so they're they're cold in the winter.
2: They're cold in the winter. They're hot in the summer. Okay, and that um, doesn't
1: doesn't affect it.
2: It actually. Adds to the depth of character. Does it? Okay, because the barrels expand and contract with temperature. Sure, um, which gives you more interaction between whiskey and wood. Mm-hmm. But we also see—I mean, we have a really extreme climate up there, and so we'll see a 130-degree difference between January and August. Yeah. In March, we sometimes will see a 50-degree difference in less than 24 hours. Right. And but also we have changes in humidity. We go anywhere from 30 percent up to 80. Plus, mm-hmm. and the change in humidity changes the composition of the stuff that's evaporating off. That's called of angel share, and so all that variability means that you have a very good balance to your angel share. When our startup consultant, when Dave was working with me, um, you know, I, I we laid out the floor plan, and uh, and I asked him, you know, what kind of climate control
4: mm-hmm. system
2: do I need for my aging room and he said none he said you're not even going to insulate that room and i said you're out of your goddamn mind i said you're obviously from kentucky you don't know how cold it gets up here and (laughs) he said no he said your barrel proof is going to freeze at about minus 66 he said is it going to get that cold right and i said well if it does we're leaving
3: (laughs) yeah he said well almost (laughs) yeah
1: but
2: he said he said mike he said think about it he said there's there's a reason they make crown royal three hours north of you right he said it's a good place to age rye whiskey Sure. sure. So, turns out the godforsaken climate is good for something. Yeah. So, yeah,
0: yeah cold it's a good place to Cold climate works. I read something years ago about uh, kind of cheating the process by by. Using sound waves, mm. sort of sonic. Yeah, aging. somebody's
2: always working on something.
0: Yeah, you guys don't have anyone uh, <laughs> singing to your barrels. No, or no. Like that I've <laughs> thought about playing the music. You know, you get pretty attached to them. You well, know, it's but. like the plants in the house, you know, right. they do better if you sing to them. Yeah, and yeah. Evidently, there's something with uh, the sound agent. waves
2: sonic yeah. going agent. through the barrel. I know, I know distillers who legit play, they have a sound system in their barrel room and they play. Uh, some of them play hip-hop, some it's classical. No shit. Yeah, no shit. So they're, there
1: is something to it. They're looking for it. bass, you know. He, and right. he
0: looked at and... me like I was nuts. No, well, <laughs> that's, that's, I, I kind of did, but it's then
1: dumb. I was like, well, what the hell do I <laughs> What do I know, last right? Time I was, last time I was up at Vikra, he was playing hip-hop <laughs> in the barrel God, that's,
0: <laughs> no I love it. Well, it makes it a little different. Yep. Who knows? Who knows yep. what it actually does? Yeah, so
1: fun. do you have events, too, up there?
2: We do. Um, we have a whiskey fest event the second weekend in november okay um, so we just missed it sam yep.
1: sam and i just missed it
2: we our cocktail Saturday. room is open on saturdays mm-hmm. we're open one and, day, and in,
0: day and a week in one day
3: a
2: week
0: okay five mm-hmm. and a half six short hours of driving we can be up there to <laughs> <laughs> i mean that's <laughs> I guess, all, right? yeah but we'll you know, the surprising
2: to. thing is is we have we regularly have people from yeah in the cities um we draw people that. from winnipeg grand forks fargo yep.
3: you mm-hmm. know all over right
2: and it's usually people, a lot of times it's people who have a connection to the area, mm-hmm. so yeah. they maybe still have family up there, Yeah, but not all the time.
1: I mean, your place, I, looking on your site, I mean, it's a beautiful designed place. Oh, thank you. It really is. I mean, just as good, I mean, the packaging ma- mm-hmm. matches. It's very well done. Right, <laughs> yeah. right. Now, the I cocktail
2: room, that's all Sherry. Yeah? That's her design sense. So yeah. She's really mid-century modern, yeah. modern Scandinavian.
0: She loves that design Super cool. so...
2: Very cool. That's all her baby. All right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, well why, do, why do I feel like? Uh, I mean, for me, this was it was tons of fun talking whiskey, and and you wondered, you asked me during the break, like, am I getting too technical? Should we talk about <laughs> other things? And I feel like, yeah in a certain way we did miss the opportunity to just to get to know you and like,
1: I was like, thinking the same thing yeah, but, like, what but are I'm you, so interested yeah. in this you well, know, and you're, in, obviously, what you do you know
0: yeah and you're knowledgeable about it and it's fun it it is fun i think it just it means we're going to have to do a second show and i think the second show we should i know head what up. you're thinking <laughs> we should yeah. we should head up there and hit a couple of the different things that are going on It'd in the fun. area mm-hmm. and spend a night yeah whatever Sarah's not going to go for that, but
2: the Airbnb is called the Scandinavia.
0: That see, we should, we should just, <laughs> say, say no
1: more, Mike. We're I there. I don't know for when you. we're going to find time to
0: do it, but yeah, would uh, be fun, though. It, yeah. it would be fun, and we are. You know, we can definitely take it on the road. But I could see, I could see getting a few, few different interviews well, there's a, in that. I mean, area. that's what's cool. There's
1: well, a there's, lot happening in these towns. There's a wine bar. Um, Across, oh, there's more still.
2: There's a, across the alley from the Airbnb coffee yep. house. There, in the old hardware store building. Sure, they uh, two couples built a wine bar. Yep. and it's fantastic.
1: So you got you got you you got the wine bar, the beer. The brewery. You got a coffee shop. Is is mm-hmm. there a hardware store in town still? Yeah, yep. <laughs> okay. I've been.
0: Yep. I've been yep. to Halleck. That, yeah, that's. Yep. There's not much more than that building, building <laughs> wise. That's, well, that much, I mean, I gotta it's, say, it's a this of 981 is
1: 981 people,
0: and so. and you've got and I spread mean, out. That
1: yeah. sounds awesome. This sounds like my kind of
2: town. It's really interesting. Yeah. I mean, people will come and they 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 call it. They do like the circuit, and we had a passport right. program between us, the brewery, the wine bar, and the Eagles. Yeah, and, and people get stamps and stuff, and we do it. Mean,
0: uh, nobody tells you
2: no so you can do anything you want' you know, it's Holy shit you, you guys. know it's I talked illegal. to an archi- I, mean- I talked to an architect who I told him that our county decided many years ago that they weren't gonna enforce state building code right they weren't going to accept or enforce shit, state no building code and I'm this architect kidding. was like holy shit that's like a dream he's like you can do anything you want you know um but no the so the wine bar. <laughs> they got in. Con- they wanted to do this, and they got in contact with a wine importer here in Minneapolis, who is married to a girl from Strandquist, which is just down the road. Okay, uh, fifty nine, tiny little town. Of course, and he's a francophile, and he lived in France, and he worked at a vineyard in France, and he really knows his stuff, and so. I kid you not—their wine list. It's the best wine list between Winnipeg and Minneapolis. (laughs) I'm not kidding. And they get they get all their cheese from Redhead Creamery in Southern Minnesota. Okay. And they so they have cheese boards and this great wine list, and it's it's fabulous. I love
1: Minnesota. We're coming up. I love Minnesota. (laughs) Seriously, what a great state. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And I and I love to hear about uh, these small communities. I mean, I was there. 25 30 years ago. Okay. Roughly. That's yep. a long time. Ago. That's right. It's somewhere between 25 yeah. and 30 years ago. Yeah. And it was a it was a very economically depressed, nearly nearly collapsed looking community at that time. There were yeah. farmers. Mm-hmm. Yep. And there was enough enough around to sort of support the fact that people lived there, but but business-wise in the downtown area, mm-hmm. it, it was it was dead.
3: Yep. Mm-hmm.
0: So to see them coming back is really something yeah. that we we That's need great. our rural communities and it just means we have to find different uses for those spaces.
2: Yeah. So. Well and we have we have um, you know, larger towns, small cities um, to the south of us and you know, I've talked to like a CEO of Digikey and he talks about Thief River Falls and it's ten times the size. Mm-hmm. And he's like, What the hell are you guys doing? He's like, we don't have any of that stuff in Thief River. What are you guys doing up there? Right. And we're like, mm, mm, mm. Okay, yeah, maybe <laughs> we'll tell you. Maybe we won't. You know? <laughs> maybe right. it's
0: our little secret. Um, <laughs> but, all right. So before we uh, before we call it a show, uh, what? Where can people find your products? Your, your products. How do they so, learn uh, about you? So and if there's anything
2: else. On yeah. our website, farnorthspirits.com, there is a purchase page. Okay. And you can see, uh, you know, you can you can just plug your Location into a map, and it'll tell you the closest places around you that carry our products. Yep. Um, the metro is pretty well represented. I'm uh, sure we're in most places mm-hmm. here. Um, certics is a big customer of ours. Um, you know, you got Haskell's, Total, all the, yep. and a, a, a hundred great small shops as well
0: i know that it's in my little store mcdonald's liquor and france south 44 manhattan. i believe
1: you're over there too
3: yep.
2: excellent customer france 44 yep. south lindale the little wine shop in saint anthony awesome. Solavino in saint paul we're all over the place yep um and uh, uh you can get a a rockner manhattan at manny's okay the the manny's manhattan is made with rockner nice to work for parasol it's a it's a nice it's a tiny little manhattan it's only eight ounces (laughs) um (laughs) you can get a you can get a manhattan as big as your head um, along with your car battery size steak. right yep so uh so yeah that's just a an example of where we are so awesome great and if you're in new york chicago dc atlanta denver san francisco these are other markets you're in
3: Mm
2: -hmm. along with wisconsin
0: awesome so, oh yep, they oh, let you in In Wisconsin
1: Oh, yep. oh too We're huh? in this Yeah Huh <laughs> <laughs> okay. Wisconsin pops I, up everywhere. I'm
0: trying to figure out the quickest way to make fun of Wisconsin. Yeah,
1: like, I don't just, know. I, <laughs> I can't.
0: I
3: can't right now. I
0: remember, I split my time between here yep. and Madison, yep. so I love Wisconsin, but man. Madison's great. If I could have got a little dig in there, I would have. Yeah. I, You know, like something along the lines of, you mean they drink fancy stuff there? And yep. and so every bit of liquor that you send over to Wisconsin is being made into an old-fashioned, I assume, <laughs> as well. <'cause> that's, <laughs> Probably. Yeah, right. That's the only thing yeah. they drink there. No, I
2: went, to college with a guy I had a college buddy of mine from Ellsworth and he's a great guy except on game day
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah. Packers fans will turn on you I know I, they I, all do I lived over in Wisconsin they, they get all violently turn angry with mm-hmm. you oh if the they Vikings turn are into winning. different people when the Packers planned. yeah, pack is yeah yep. totally uh well Mike <laughs> Swanson of Far North Spirits thank you so much for coming in
1: yeah, thank my you. pleasure. Real pleasure,
0: and uh, we'll make we'll make sure we follow up on this and do do something. Oh, else so we can we're excellent.
1: following up.
0: I <laughs> we'll probably need to
3: talk to Sherry. <laughs> All right, take All right care. thanks,
1: thanks, guys. Bye.
0: All right, everyone. Thanks for listening. We love comments and feedback, so go ahead and let us have it. If you'd like to learn more about Andolin and other legacy projects, visit the website at andolin.app or kineticlegacy.us. Take care.